Will we continue in our look of revelation? I was reading this week in The Independent an article that I found strikingly interesting to me, which is good that I was reading it and it caught my interest. That's what they want. And this article was about a particular um, job that's available in Japan. Now, this job is someone who does nothing. That, that's the title of it, that this is a man who does nothing. And, and what this job is, is those folks who need to have someone near, who need to have someone present, that need to have somebody with them, that will not actually interfere with what is going on at that moment, can hire someone out to do nothing. Now, this one particular person that they were profiling has, has done a, a great job of getting himself known for doing absolutely nothing. They tell of a woman whose husband had passed, and she wanted to go eat dinner at her favorite restaurant. But she didn't want to take any of her friends there because she knew, as they sat there with her friends, that the memories of her husband's and the times that they had enjoyed would come flowing back, and that they would want to engage her with how she was feeling and how things were going on. And she thought to herself, I really want that food, but I don't want that companionship that's so intrusive. So she hired this person who met her at the restaurant, sat across from her, he got a free meal, and she got to eat in silence and enjoy that meal. Uh, they told her another person who was getting on the bullet train to move, but she didn't want any of her family there because that would cause more heartache. So she hired him to stand on the platform and wave to her as the bullet train took off. It's been said that God created man in his image, and we in turn return the favor. I think often we want a God that's like that man who does nothing. It's good to have him here beside us. You give us some sort of comfort by your presence, knowing that we can call out on you if we need you, but just do what we want you to do in the way that we want you to do it. So as not to interfere, we believe in God, but we treat him as if he's the person who does nothing, who doesn't actually affect any part of our life today. We'll just go about doing the things that we want to do the way we want to do them, but you stay right here and just be safe for us. That's not what we see happening in Revelation in chapter 4. What's taking place here is an unveiling, a revealing of what the truth reality is. See, what happens is John is taken up. And at that moment, it is said to him, you are now going to see what life is really all about. Who is really in charge. How things really happen. And he goes up and he sees the throne of God. Now this is truth reality. That's not to say that what we're living in here on this world is not reality in and of itself, but it is uh, not quite all that is happening. We see shadows and glimmers. We see interpretations and things that are taking place. But in the throne room of God, that is truth reality. That is what is happening. 
and he is taken up into that place. Now, it's good for us to recognize here as well what John is combating, because it helps us understand why this throne room is so important. Richard Butler has a book about the theology of Revelation. And in it, he says this, our question is how John, in prophetic insight, perceives the Roman Empire, because he's writing during that time. Revelation itself is no, has no neutral perception. Either one shares Rome's own ideology, the view that the empire is promoting by Roman propaganda, or it sees it from the perspective of heaven, which unmasks all its pretension. Revelation portrays Rome as a system of violent oppression founded on conquest, maintained by violence and oppression. It is a system both of political tyranny and economic exploitation. Now, we'll talk about those two things next week. But what this chapter does, it reveals that over and above that, behind it and before it, is what is the truth reality. That while Rome may be claiming to be the supreme, God reveals himself to be the supreme. And so John enters in to the throne room to see God seated on the throne. And when he walks in, that's when things get wild. That's when things begin to get to that place when we're reading Revelation that we go, yeah, maybe later. <laughs> right? I'm alright. I don't I mean, we don't need to know all this stuff. I don't need to understand it. Why? Well, because all of a sudden he walks in, and the first thing we see is this throne, and we see this rainbow that looks like an emerald, and there's thunder and lightning, which shows God's holiness, his righteous judgment. And then there's these 24 other thrones with 24 other people sitting on them. And we think to ourselves, well, who are those 24 people? Are they angels? that are working with God? Are they other gods that are lesser gods? Are they the twelve apostles and the twelve tribes of Israel? I mean, there's all sorts of things that we consider. And just as we're thinking about that and trying to get our heads around it, all of a sudden we notice these four other creatures that have wings and eyes all over them. And they're flying around. And there's like a lion and there's an eagle and there's somebody that has the face of a human. What's that about? And we again think to ourselves, that's okay. I maybe don't need to figure this out. I don't need to know what's going on. But then we go, no, 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 I remember. I remember what this is all about. The problem is, that's not the focus of the 24 or the focus of those four creatures. We're getting trapped by looking at something that is here as opposed to the center. You see, all of those things, those 24 who are sitting on the throne, and those four creatures who are flying around saying something beautiful, their entire focus, their entire being, all of their purpose, everything that they are on about is focused directly and only on God. And so while it is fun for us, to play around and think that we're smart enough to maybe figure out just exactly what these things mean, it's more important for us to realize humbly that their actions should be the things that we should be emulating. That when 
things are confusing. When things cannot be figured out. When we're confronted with the mystery that is God. That the best response, nay, the only response, is to say, holy, holy, holy. But that's hard for us to do because we would prefer God to be the man who does nothing but give us the comfort we desire. Because, in fact, if God is the one who is holy, 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 and that our whole being should be directed towards Him, high and lifted up, then it changes every single aspect of our lives and how we move into living. It means that our lives should be those that are moved towards honor and glory for Him. What's really interesting about this, in this particular scene, of Revelation as we enter into the throne room is that we really don't see outside of John any other human participation in this worship. Now maybe the one who has a face like a human is human, but he's also got eyes all over him and wings and he's flying around. Never seen a human like that. What we notice is that the center is God. And that every creature is giving glory to him. And so a definition of worship for us that we discover here in the throne room of God is that acclamation, that proclamation of who God is completely. And it doesn't matter how we feel about it. Notice that the humans are here too often, too often. We want our relationship with God to be based on our feelings towards it. Listen, God wants all of who we are. Every single bit. Our emotions, our mental capacities, our physical capacities, all of what we are, who He created us to be. But I think we sometimes elevate how we might either think about God or how we feel about God to determine whether or not God is worthy of worship. But what we see happening here is that humans aren't even around yet. What John is doing is witnessing what is the truth reality. That over and over again, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, these four creatures are going around saying what? Worthy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So if we are to see God as these creatures see God, then we recognize holy, holy, holy. Now saying it three times means this. It is true. It means that it is the utmost. That there is nothing else that can be as holy as God. That he possesses and holds all that is holy. That it is in God that all holiness is found. And so we know that as we look at God, then we can see that holy, how it is supposed to be. Not how the brokenness of the world is, because it is broken. Not how the brokenness of our relationships fall, because they do get broken. But in the wholeness and holiness of God who holds it all together. We recognize it and see it and can cry out with it. Not only that, are you the holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, the one who is and was and is to come. That's such good news for us who are entering into the throne room to see God, to be undone by Him, 
Because that means God has always been, He will always be, and He is right now the same. Forever and always. Amen. That He is not moving or changing directions. That as we read the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we see how God continues to work globally in the world today, we know that He is moving in steadfast love and mercy and truth and justice and righteousness in order to bring His kingdom to bear, which already has been established. And so for us, that means that while I may look temporarily at the true world, the truth reality above reminds me in God's presence that He is unchanging and He wants us to flourish in Him. Then at that moment, those 24 show us even more so what happens when we hear this worship of God taking place we can't help but take down the, the crowns on our own heads, this desire to be our own rulers, and lay them down at his feet. Now they're accustomed to that. They've been doing it forever and ever and ever. But we aren't. We aren't. And so for John, I'm sure it was somewhat confronting to look and see this taking place. Much like Isaiah, probably, as he entered into the throne room in Isaiah chapter 6, and he sees God lifted up highly and holy, and we see all of the angels giving him glory. He says, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. That yes, there is a sense of recognition of our brokenness when we experience the truth reality that is God. But we do not stay there. Why? Because we know just the chapter earlier, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I want you with me on my throne. And so we say, holy, holy, worthy are you, the Lord of God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you, by your will they exist and were created. Bob tells us this, what we see here is God's sovereignty is already fully acknowledged in heaven. And this establishes as the truth reality, which must in the end also prevail on earth. On earth, the powers of evil challenge God's role and even masquerade as the ultimate power over all things, claiming divinity. But heaven is the sphere of ultimate reality. What is the truth in heaven must become the truth on earth. Thus, John is taken up into heaven to see God's throne in its ultimate reality behind all earthly appearances. And having seen God's sovereignty in heaven, John can now see that the earth must move to acknowledging that truth. What a challenge for us. That in this place we move in a direction that says, the truth is that God reigns supreme over all things. That he is holy, high, and lifted up, and he is steadfast in his loving pursuit for us. Why do we know that? Because we see that in Christ towards us. Have you ever been to Madame Tussauds? Wax museums? I haven't. They creep me out. I'm just curious. On YouTube and other places, there have been times that they have shown folks walking through a wax museum, looking at 
facsimiles of famous people. Only to encounter, at some point, The Rock, or some other celebrity, standing there. Now, would you be fooled by that, really? Just check. (laughs) Until they get close enough to that wax figurine, that that wax figurine is the real person and reaches out and grabs them. And after the initial frightenedness of it, they stand in awe. I cannot believe my luck that I picked today to go to Madame Tussauds to bump into the rock. Like I'm getting to experience Dwayne Johnson in real life. I thought I was only going to see a wax figurine of the that I might be able to steal one of his pinkies off of it, but I am so excited that no, I got to meet the real rock. What John does for us here is he is lifted up into the truth reality. Is that he allows us to see in our own hearts the deception that we will have. Those places in our hearts where we want a tepid God. The man who will do nothing. And what God is saying gently and lovingly to us today is that is not who I am. I am the God that when you really encounter me, the only response you will have is worship. To bow down and give me glory and honor and praise. Not because I want it, but because that is all that can happen. I deserve it. And I don't deserve it in some sort of I demanded way, but because of how you've been created by me, your only response when you really see the truth is to respond wholly. And so each moment of every day while we wrestle through this world and the tyranny that lies within us, each moment of every day as we walk in the brokenness that seems to seep in uncontrollably sometimes, every moment of every day when we are wrecked with guilt from the things that we did or have happened to us, it is at that moment that we pray that the angels lift us up in the spirit so that we can see God lifted high in his throne because it's at that moment that we will be undone and we will see his glory and know who we are in the truth reality. That we are those who are brought into his presence to be loved. That when we enter the throne room, It is for our worship and for us to receive God's love through Christ in us. Let me pray. God, let us receive and know that it is in this place, in in this throne room, this truth, reality, that we are yours and we are made to be worshipers. And we receive your love that is poured out through Christ to us. Holy Spirit, teach us to be undone, to to be okay with being undone, to anticipate being undone by your glory, by God's holiness. 
so that in our trepidation we will move into strength and courage, knowing that you are walking with us, that you're the one that's drawing us in. Holy, holy, holy. If there's anything that is not from you today, Father, let it burn up, let it pass away. But if anything that was spoken today is from you, let it take root in our hearts so that it will bring you glory and move us to do good works for your kingdom. In Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.